Hi and welcome along to Early Excellence's Head to Head podcast. It's great to have you here. I'm Sarah Carey, School Improvement Lead here at Early Excellence and in these podcasts I'll be connecting with real head teachers and school leaders. We'll be discussing hot topics in primary and early years education and sharing some real experiences. So keep listening to hear more about school inspections and impactful school improvement strategies. Hello and welcome along to this month's Head to Head podcast. I'm really pleased to be welcoming Lucy Hughes, who is head teacher at Arley's Primary School. Hi Lucy, how are things? Hi Sarah, fabulous, thank you. Good, very smiley as we're coming towards the end of term and you've just had a two week half term break as well, haven't you? So ready, Absolutely. ready for the last gauntlet. <laughs> So um, I think it's been, it feels like a long time since I've been up to Arlie's and seen you and, and the team. And I know you've been very busy with um, lots of plate spinning for school development journeys, as lots of schools do. There's never one thing, is there? There's lots of things that we can kind of plate spin. And I know you've had Ofsted to boot. So I feel like we've got lots to catch up on, but not all of it will be today, just some of it. <laughs> OK, lovely. It's been very busy. Yes, you have been very busy. So I think a good place to start, as always, in this is just actually if you'd share a little bit about yourself and your background and then a bit about the context of our leads. Okay, so um, I am head teacher. I've been head teacher for five years now at Arlie's. And prior to that, I was deputy head as well. So I have a long serving history um, at the school. Uh, despite that, when I took over the headship, we did have a rebrand. We introduced new school values and we started a bespoke designed curriculum from scratch to suit our children. Um, the intake at Arlie's has changed drastically um, over the last 10 years or so. And currently we've got our highest ever percentage of pupil premium children approaching 50% um, now. We're also in a um, target area, nationally a, a target area um, by DfE. Um, so we are under the cosh, so to speak, from the local authority as well, um, trying to drive forward their targets for improvement as well as the school targets for improvement. But we've very much had to change our way of thinking in terms of delivery of our curriculum um, so that we can provide our children with the knowledge, skills and real life experiences that they're not exposed to in the outside world. Um, so we did take our curriculum straight back to scratch for each and every subject. Um, and we've worked hard for around and about four and a half years designing the curriculum um, from the um, initial intent, then our implementation, which came about a year or so afterwards. And then some of our subjects currently, we're, we're now at a stage where we're able to um, start measuring the impact of those subjects. But it has been on a, on a cycle basis, taking a, a group of subjects at a time over a number of years. So it has been a really long journey, um, but one that is now coming to fruition and having just had our Ofsted, um, we were able to reap some reward um, and get some real external um, eyes and opinions on what we've been working hard on over, over the last few years. 
Yeah, great. Thanks, Lucy. And I think, yeah, it puts it into context, doesn't it? Because I started working with you probably not long after you started your headship then, because it was definitely kind of pre-COVID, your headship there. Um, and it has been a long journey, but you're, you've committed the time to do it and do it in, in an embedded way and bring the team along with you. And I know, obviously, um, we've been part of that journey, but actually you've had a very full journey and a very comprehensive journey that has included lots of research for yourself and your school lots of visits to other people lots of access to kind of consultancy and advice and training a whole breadth and plethora of that and and we are a very very tiny part and I know I've come and done reviews and been involved in your appraisals and it's that those points and those conversations that I've had with you it really feels like you've got some real success stories to share and some real impact for the children but also the, the staff team and the school community as you say it's it's been a long journey but a journey that's been well worth doing in a in a worthwhile and deep way so uh, so yeah looking forward to to hearing all about it and yeah. curriculum is the conversation we we have lots here at early excellence and as you say it's not a done journey is it it is a review let's have a look at that do we need to make fine tunes and, and interesting obviously you said it took about a year actually to get your intent together in terms of what you were wanting to do so that you you could kind of unpick that together so do you want to just talk a little in a little bit more detail then about your kind of the values that drive your curriculum and how they were developed and obviously I know you've got a very text rich curriculum as well um, and both of those those elements and values and the text are quite core to everything that you do so it'd be great to hear a bit more about that. Yeah so upon taking over as head teacher um, as many head teachers love to do they want to put their own stamp on it and really bring their personality um, to the table, so to speak. Obviously, having been deputy before that, I was chomping at the bit to be able to to do what I wanted to do. So we did go for um, a full rebrand um, of the school, including our uniform. And then we did um, create a new vision together as a team, which incorporated our values, which um, do spell out the word Arlie's. <laughs> Um, but actually are uh, embedded um, into quite a deep level across um, across the board, starting with our breakfast clubs straight through to our after-school clubs and um, everything kind of comes off each, each and every value. So we started with our values. So we've got um, aspiration, respect, leadership, inspiration, excellence and self-belief. So we started with those keywords and we split them up across each half term. So we have one um, vehicle for each half term and that vehicle is the school value. What we then do from there is we um, introduce texts, high quality texts, which um, are the main hook for our curriculum and that's not a hook just for our literacy sessions or our science sessions it's a hook for the whole half term um, and those texts are not exhaustive um, we do follow children's interests and where other interests come up through the vehicle text then we don't um, hesitate in adding extra texts along the way those texts um, provide the hook, the inspiration for, for learning for the children is to gain their interest and um, to start off the unit. 
hand in hand with that, we always start our half term with what I like to call a wow day. Um, And that's where I bring in an external provider to really give the start of the half term um, the the meaning um, of the value in an unforgettable way. Um, something that will create memories for the children and stick with them well beyond that half term. As the year then progresses, we don't just forget about the, the school value that we've that we've looked at. That then becomes integral um, to everything that we do every single day. Um, but we just focus on that one value um, each half term. All staff are asked to ensure in their long term planning, which we've worked a number of years on um, to ensure that learning is hands-on, learning has real life experiences, whether that is bringing people into school to bring learning alive um, or whether that means going out into our local community or beyond um, in order to, again, add meaning and add depth um, to the learning that's going on in class. From our long-term plans, We then have more uh, detailed and medium term plans as well, which takes into consideration each and every single subject and how each subject links to our school value. And again, it's it's complicated and complex, isn't it, kind of structuring that architecture of the curriculum, but your strong driver towards those values. And I feel sure they didn't come out in the, I just feel sure that they didn't come out spelling RLE straight away. I feel sure there was a conversation around actually what, you know, what's important to you. And actually that kind of came, became secondary, I'm sure, to spell RLEs. But actually having those as a real strong driver. Um, And I know having visited the school several times over several years that, you know the children do talk about those and they are um they're aware of them and actually crucially it's not just a talking about them they are modeling it in their actions in their interactions with one another staff are modeling it with how they're approaching things as well so it really those values are really kind of absolutely kind of fundamental to the school aren't they and 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 true and I think in terms of we'll come on to the enrichment in a little while but actually in terms of your context as you say you've got nearly 50% people premium um, and it's quite a in some respects I think it would be fair to say an insular um, area isn't it in terms of you you've got the school and the estate and that is where your family and lots of your children are so those experiences for the children to build on that first layer which you can then build that next piece of knowledge on actually is it's kind of there's there's not a huge amount of experience there is there when they first join you so they do need those experiences more widely to help them make those connections to make it more meaningful Um, and I think that's again been quite powerful Um, and your staff team certainly in the conversations I've had with them the staff team really understand the why behind that and also understand the the importance of that for your children and again they talk about it and reflect on those opportunities as much as the children in some respects don't they they do I mean uh, the the origins of our school values did very much come from knowing our families um, and our children so well and knowing our area um, so well and you know there are lots of children that attend Ali's that um, don't have those wider experiences they don't have um, access to 
opportunities, to ideas that would affect um, their future life. So we chose our values because we do want our children to have aspiration to go on and do better things um, and to, you know, experience the world, different jobs, different careers. Um, The inspiration, we found that lots of our children do need quite... um, strong examples um in order to be inspired by things and really want you know become uh, engaged and and enjoy enjoy things just teaching children how to enjoy um different experiences and i think we we really did notice that as well after the pandemic um that our children had lost out on a lot of experiences um we do a lot in school from our leadership value. We do a lot in school in not just in terms of, you know, being a leader, but very much taking leadership of yourself. Um, so that's where the leadership comes from. So this year, for for example, we've done leadership in terms of leadership of you um, and leadership of you. Um, first and foremost means taking leadership of your health and your fitness so this year has very much taken that kind of focus but each year we do do a different focus for each value so last year for leadership um, we invited Kaodi Damali in who came from a very poor background Um, he grew up with a life of crime and a life of drugs um, a lack of education, and he decided that enough was enough, and he decided to turn his life around. Um, and I like to invite people in that come from backgrounds like that, people that come from nothing um, and are able to change their life habits increase their aspirations in life, take leadership of themselves, have self-belief, which is our final school value. Um, and I get those people in to our children to show them just what what is out there beyond our local estate and beyond our school walls. Yeah, because I think in that instance, um, and I remember visiting not long after after you'd had that kind of initial inspiration day, and and sadly a lot of those experiences that he had as a, as a child actually with some of your children is quite familiar, isn't it, in terms of what they're perhaps seeing and experiencing. So actually to have that kind of familiarity almost, but to see how far and wide you can go um, regardless, and that is, is really kind of very powerful. So, yeah, and I know also uh, there was another inspiration day that you'd done, and you, did you not have a, um, a big basketball kind yeah. of opportunity at some some yeah. point? That again, when I spoke with children, they were, and it, it had been almost either six months or a year prior to when I'd been in and they were still completely on board with talking about it, about it. <laughs> just tell, tell us what that was the back he, of he's the um, world's tallest basketball player um, he is um, touching 8 foot tall um, with size 21 feet um, and he again came from um, a background which wasn't an advantaged background. He was bullied throughout his um, school years. 
and um, he found that he had a skill in basketball and he pushed himself forward despite being bullied and despite what he was experiencing throughout his younger years and ended up playing over in the USA for one of the top basketball teams and um, became world-renowned as a basketball player and I managed to get him um, here in Ali's school um, very much to... Um, inspire the children to try something new, which was which was one um, aspect of it, but also to show children that we can overcome um, problems and we can take leadership of ourselves. We can learn to respect others um, around us, and we can have our own aspirations um, and become successful, whatever our background and whatever our upbringing. Now he managed to inspire our children that much that we've even got ex-pupils that still come back and visit us and talk about that very day. Um, that then led us into um, revamping a section of the library with lots and lots of basketball books, fact, factual and non-fiction because they were so into um this sport they managed the school council managed to um, write to me and persuade me to spend um, a few hundred pounds on some new <laughs> basketball nets that they wanted outside um, which is now a daily part of our structured lunchtime activities every single class is rotated onto the basketball hoops um, every lunchtime on a weekly basis and will be tired if they miss their day. Um, and that's that's the kind of impact, you know, that, that we're looking for. And from that, we did end up with lots of different high quality texts that we hadn't planned on using um, because we followed the children's interests on that. And, and, and we took it and we and we ran with it. Um, whatever we bring in and whatever we put in place, it it's about. It's not just about that day. It's about changing habits. It's about becoming a better person. I think that's really important in terms of having the real rationale. Um, and that, again, for you as the head, who's kind of taken the lead in, this is where you're wanting the curriculum to go and your staff kind of being on board with that. But it having longevity, it's not just about having a wonderful day, which, of course, we do want learning to be fun, but we do want it to be meaningful um, and impactful. And the examples that you've given have been really powerful in having a long-term impact on the children's attitude on some of their lifestyles on some of their thinking and and it's great as well to hear that you're offering that flex and adjustment in the curriculum as well <clears throat> so that you you are able to respond to the direction of travel from the children whilst knowing that you are still covering your core values that key knowledge um, and because you have that absolute clarity in your values and why you're doing what you're doing and how that looks it enables you to have that flex as well because you can see how it's going to feed together so some really good examples there in terms of those inspirational hooks but I, I do also know in terms of your enrichment um, for enriching your curriculum you've done some careful thinking around what else so not just those big days for all children but there are other things it's kind of you've got various echelons working in terms of groups of children um, and what they might have as an opportunity and the why 
why it's for those children, why they've been targeted and, and, and what, the, what they're offering. So could you just share a couple of examples in those sorts of instances, which aren't actually kind of whole school? Some of them are year group and some of them are smaller group, aren't they? So it'd be good to hear about some of those. Yeah, so um, all of our enrichment um, activities do start from the curriculum, um, which is our wow days and our text and our curriculum design. Um, from there, we also, um, through quality discussion with staff, with our pastoral um, child and family support officer, um, we regularly meet to discuss what is going on in our school for which children um, right now, who, who needs um, some uh, extra support, um, or who is possibly um, not engaging in the same way as other children may be. Um, we did find through, um, you know, through pupil voice and through parent voice that we ha did have a large proportion of children that were um, not necessarily involved in clubs and experiences that we would want them to. Um, we do target all groups, so it's not just our pupil premium children. Um, for our pupil premium children, yes, we do ensure that all of those children attend um, a morning club or an after-school club. Um, and we are this year we've reached a hundred percent of our pupil premium children um, have attended after-school clubs um, and had those different experiences, and that's through targeted invitations to clubs. Um, these are children who wouldn't necessarily put themselves forward for it and do not necessarily have um, the support at home um, where people sign them up to these different experiences. So we do um, self-invite these pupils to those clubs in order to get that. However, um, what we also introduced um, were some different enrichment activities for children with poor attendance and for children who are ordinarily those children who always do the right thing in class. They've always got their hand up. They, they never come up on my concern. And they probably have a supportive family in place. Very much those children that just do the right thing all of the time. Um, but in actual fact, a high proportion of those children are quite shy. Those children are quiet. Those children are withdrawn. Um, and we did notice, especially after the pandemic, that they just came back. They cracked on. Um, so we started to look a little bit deeper in terms of what we could provide um, for those children. So we introduced um, Pyramid Club, which is a 90-minute club once per week. And again, that is um, those children are invited by us from thorough analysis um, and discussions with um, teachers and staff that are involved with those pupils um, and some real analysis of our, uh, my concern records between myself and the child and family support officer. So those children come along and they do lots of social activities and social games. They try new foods um, they engage in gardening activities, forest school activities. Um, they do lots and lots of a variety 
of activities that build uh, their self-confidence, not necessarily widen experiences because these children do get that at home, um, but it's about self-esteem, confidence, um, especially in ba- being able to speak out loud um, and, and be able to confidently offer their knowledge and skills that we know are absolutely there, but they're happy to just sit quietly and, and be more of a passive learner. And so we've targeted those children. We've introduced um, Smoothie Club in the morning. Um, so our children who have um, poor punctuality, um, they now turn up in um, to join our child and family support officer and they make fruit smoothies in the morning from 20 past eight in the morning. So that's that's completely separate to our wraparound, which we offer. And it's completely separate to any morning clubs that we offer. This is by invitation. And they go into one of our new um, garden rooms that we've had um, installed and they make fresh fruit smoothies every morning, um, which has got them to school at 20 past eight to make fruit smoothies. So that's that's another um, example of a different kind of club um, that we've begun to offer. Um, we have this year been involved um, with John McGee. John McGee is the kindness coach. Now, following um, the pandemic, again, as I'm sure many, many schools um, have experienced, we had a Lots of children who were unable to play together, um, unable to share, um, and you know didn't really have those skills of teamwork, that level of teamwork that that we needed, which would result in sometimes some you know name calling and issues that we hadn't had before in the past. Um, so we, um, through, again, some long research by myself, I'm, I am very outward looking. And that was one of my determinations taking over as head that we would become less insular and more outward looking um, beyond our local authority, but um, into other authorities and nationally as well. So through lots of my social media stalking shall we say um i came across john mcgee the kindness coach and he um we've now become a kindness matters accredited school um and that did start with a wow day um but then did continue um in fulfilling the kindness matters challenge for john mcgee and we teamed up with another school from wigan as well um and then that has once that had ended, obviously, this is about changing habits and becoming a better person and being able to get on with our peers more effectively. That is now part of our daily routine in class. Lots of classes have designed their own kindness challenge um, spinning wheels and they have a, a kindness challenge for the day. It um, ended up with our whole school being immersed in kindness, not just from that day, not just in the classroom, but through our halls and our corridors. We now have um, a permanent appreciation station in school because the children love writing little compliments to staff and to children, and they take them home to parents and to families and to neighbours. And it is really about starting that 
um, change of habit here and then that filtering through to our children's homes as well in the hope to make a difference um, there as well. So that all, all of these kind of um, implementations do go from that first day through to our curriculum then it feeds into our group enrichments it feeds into our after school clubs our before school clubs with the hope of longer term impact and it's that very much that ripple effect isn't it and I think what's what's really interesting is the kind of the different lenses that you've looked at the children and the need through to come up with some of those enrichment opportunities um, and actually really tailoring some of those and it's taking you back to reflecting on all children and what they need and of course I know I know you have some of the more let's say traditional opportunities for example the the kind of outdoor pursuits day out or actually the Victorian day out in a certain year group or maybe the mini beasts are coming in and and those sorts of things yeah we have all those as as standard and all teachers in their medium term plans they do have to set out at the start of the year what are their real um first hand experiences going to be for their classes you know so yeah we this year we um had duckling eggs and we hatched ducklings in year two and we had the aqua explorer in and all of those standard um, things that you would normally offer within your curriculum we do as well have smaller group enrichment activities which are for um that they're, they're mixed groups so it's some of the children would be uh less advantaged children some children might be those children who've had a short-term trauma um, and possibly need, um, you know, a day of happiness and fulfilment. Um, and then it might be those, some of those children who um, are shy and withdrawn. And that, that is separate to our curriculum. It's separate to, to all of our other clubs. But two years ago, we started the group enrichment, um, which is um, trips out with myself and the child and family support officer, we we host them, um, and we take them out for an experience. Um, so last year we visited um, farms. This year we've had an arts and culture focus, which has been linked with our school development plan. And um, we make sure on those days that they experience something new that they sit down at a table and they eat a civilised lunch together and they pour drinks for each other, they hand each other serviettes and we sit together and eat a proper meal um, somewhere. So we make sure that we choose a venue that gives us that that opportunity. Um, So this year has been arts and culture. So we've all been out to um, a local, we built in the local community link um, and we've been to a local pottery um, place and we've all, we've uh, myself as well, it was a first experience for me on a pottery wheel. Um, so it was new experiences all round. Uh, but the, the key for us is that we do, we, we know our children well. We write our school development plan with those children in mind. And each year we have a different focus for our enrichment activities that we build into our school development plan. Um, So it is all strategically linked and chosen um, and was very much um, 
very much complemented in our recent Ofsted inspection. Yeah. And I think it's that there's a real breadth there, isn't there? And um, But you keep coming back to those key threads of what's important and knowing the why. And I think that is what then helps everything to become very cohesive in terms of it not being one off in terms of connecting things for the children, connecting things for the families as well and connecting things for, for the staff, too. So really, really useful to hear some different to just look down those different lenses of some of the things that you're doing, because some of that will sound familiar to some of our listeners, but some of it actually may well feel actually we could perhaps consider that or that's an interesting take but I do know um, that for yourself there's a huge amount of research that goes on to really get the right the right inspiration days the right opportunities and also it, it's not it's not repeated is it I, obviously I know some of those more like you say the standard things like the Victorian days which like maybe is repeated year on year however your inspiration days is never one the same in terms of even though the value will be the same next year the inspiration day will be different so I know it takes a huge amount of research um thinking about how you're going to bring that value to life for your children but also making it as as kind of tailored as possible to the reality of your school and your context for your children to hook into. So that's really, really great. I think because obviously we've, we've, we've talked a lot about the, the developments and things, and of course a huge part of school development is that investment of, in staff, in CPD, and also in, in kind of the buy-in and their contribution to that development journey as well and their ideas. So um, it'd be really good to hear some of your approaches around engaging your staff in some of the development journeys or subject leads it's, it's up to you what you want to talk through but just giving a little bit of an example because you're leading from the front you've got that very clear vision um, you're sharing that and developing that with your school staff but actually the nuts and bolts of actually how all of these things are threaded together and and supporting your staff to see how the curriculum is connecting and how subjects are connecting and such like so it'd be good to hear how you've approached some cpd yeah so um prior to myself taking headship subject leadership was quite a weak area I think with the changes in you know TLRs are few and far between and um, you know very much am I supposed to be doing this am I accountable for data should I be should I not um, and we were we were very much in that position but um, you know as much as you yourself as the head teacher can have that um, passion for each and every single subject you just cannot be a one-man band and you can't change every single subject yourself um, you do need to have those strong subject leaders that have the passion for the subject that they're interested in so it was quite um quite a steep learning curve originally um, as we did have staff members that had subjects that they weren't particularly interested in that they'd inherited due to joining the school at a certain time and so they inherited that subject because that was the person who'd previously left um, and so what I realized was that we needed to restart um, all subject leadership roles um, which meant investing some time in each and every single member of staff to find out where their interests were where their skills were, where their passions were, and uncovering possibly some hidden skills that they hadn't um, necessarily <laughs> disclosed to me. Um, and we didn't get it right first time round. And I think that's the most important thing in 
being a head teacher that we don't get it right first time round, and we can't be afraid to um, change the path or um, think, oh, we're going to, you know, go back to square one if we change the subject leader. Um, what I did was I tried to create um, a culture within our staff um, to, of teamwork to be able to work together um, and appreciate each other's um, skills and um, mindsets in terms of subject leadership. So after quite some time, I did, um, as well as me switching subject leaders to different subjects, I did have staff that approached me to say, is it okay if we swap? Because I think I am more sporty. This is one example. I think I'm more sporty and, and she's very, very good at arts and crafts and, and loves it. So it's having that trust in your staff as well. Um, so we did, um, I invested time um, and training externally and internally, which was pre-planned and over a two-year period um, to really develop the skills within a teacher on how to lead a subject, um, starting with um, going back to our curriculum intent for each and every single subject. So each subject leader was given the, the, the power, if you like, the control, if you like, to go away and have a look at how they would like their subject to run. And then that was followed then by um, many uh, meetings and discussions with myself and, the, and my deputy head um, about where we wanted these subjects to go, how did it link with our original um, plans of our subjects, um, and to find something that was really inspiring and non-limiting um, and provides our children with the progressive skills and knowledge that was needed um, going through school. So that has resulted in every subject leader now has rewritten their intent and their implementation of their subject. We do have three subjects left to go. Um, which is our geography and our history and RE. Um, and the others are, are now complete and we're moving into the impact stage. Um, each uh, teacher, they were given staff meetings, which again were planned in um, over each academic year. And their first one was initially to ensure that all teachers walked away from their staff meeting desperate to go and have a look at what their next lesson was going to be in that particular subject. And that was their only aim to be set, set by me, um, to instill a passion for going away and teaching th those subjects. Obviously, being a primary school teacher, there are lots of subjects that we're, we're maybe less confident in than others. And maybe those subjects that we think, oh, no, now I've got to go and teach this. And it's not really my not really my area. Um, but it was more about just instill a passion to go and give it a go, bring some excitement to the table and really, really change it up for each subject. Subject leaders then continued um, to deliver staff meetings, to deliver check-ins with members of staff to gain um, skills and knowledge information on teachers on what they needed and what CPD that they may need in order to, to deliver that subject confidently um, and passionately. We, we're not a plug and play scheme 
um, type of school. I do like things to be bespoke and tailored um, to our children. And I like to instill a culture of it's okay to veer off. It's okay to try something else. It's okay to go with where, where our children wish to go. Um, through the school development planning, obviously this takes time, this takes um, money, investment of budget within this. So we have had to allocate um, a fair amount of our budget to um, our subjects, to our teachers in order to fund um, supply to give our subject leaders time. They need time in order to be able to do this effectively. Um, so each teacher was given four days across each academic year um, to spend time, first of all, on their intent, then on their implementation, on staff training, being able to go around school and observe their subject in every single year group from nursery through to year six, where is, where is their subject evident, finding out where those strengths and those weaknesses are um, across school. What staff then do, I implemented a new system called Blue Wave, and that's where I write the school development plan. And the continuing professional development um, is a requested service, shall we say. So teachers um, have the control to find what they would what they need to develop in and they can request CPD via Blue Wave with a rationale behind it so that we are sticking to that strategic approach of development depending on what our focus is in that particular academic year as opposed to oh this sounds like a great course can I go <laughs> um it, all of it feeds back to our school development plan which then um, as soon as that's been achieved and we've got evidence of impact of that, then that then goes immediately. That moves across into our self-evaluation. Um, so it's very much um, a 360 degree approach from school development plan with the CPD um, and then the self-evaluation form following that. It is, it is very intricately planned, um, but does get us the impact that we that we require but the key the key to changing the quality of teaching in our subjects has been the right person for the job and the time in which to train to go and look at different classes and to be able to work with other teachers and um, we've also invested um budget in being able to go out to schools beyond our authority um, and to be able to see sub different subjects being taught in different schools across different authorities um, with a view of bringing back the ideas that we like um, and taking from it um, the, the bits that we like from what we've seen to create our own as opposed to, oh, we like that, we'll take all of it on because not everything fits every single school so we are still in the development stages um but again following a recent Ofsted inspection and um, the subjects where we are at that stage of being able now to measure impact um was spoken of extremely highly so it's working 
Good. And I think what I take from that in terms of underpinning, there are some, you mentioned culture several times. It's about getting the right culture in place, isn't it? And having those relationships, allocating time, not only to the subject leads to have time, but actually recognising that it's going to take time. The development of these subjects takes time. Um, Having that clarity in your school vision, and aims and vision and aims for your curriculum having that absolutely well understood by everybody will enable them to have then taken some autonomy in where they want to go with their subject because it's rooted in something that's been well discussed and actually professional conversations and professionally working together I know there's been lots of conversations lots of reflections lots of discussions at times some hand-holding and some coaching um, and at other times kind of pushing over that kind of hump as it were to kind of taking more of a lead Um, but it's still having that the long-term goal in insight that's what you're driving towards and there's kind of those those mini steps along the way isn't there but I think culture and time and professional relationships and dialogues absolutely crucial as well so yeah really really helpful thank you well it's been a really great conversation just to hear lots of different things that are happening at Arlie's and and lots of the strategic thinking that actually underpin the school the values the vision of the curriculum and then actually how having that solidly in place actually has enabled lots of other things to kind of grow and develop and actually a a real positive culture developing for your staff for your children and then the next layer is obviously your your parents coming into that so I shall look forward to hopefully coming up and seeing you again soon it's been too long absolutely yes oh bless you well thanks so much for joining me today and uh, as I say I'm sure there'll be lots lots of people kind of having some some thoughtful reflections on the things that you've shared in terms of some of the strategies and some of the ideas and some real practical things as well. But I think, as I say, underlying is is very much that those key threads and the rationale to why. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been hopefully really useful for them. And I've certainly enjoyed listening to you because actually I have the privilege of being able to visualise it because I've been in school, I've worked with those children, I've worked with you and your staff. So, uh, so yeah, it's been great. And although people won't be able to see won't be able to see me I've been smiling lots and nodding whilst I can think about those things so well done so I shall I shall leave you to have a really good rest of the week and I shall hope to see you soon thank you thank you Well, thanks for joining us today. I hope you found it a valuable listen and that you've taken some things away to reflect on or maybe things that you want to discuss with your colleagues. Of course, remember, if you want to talk about any of the issues that we've explored today or you need support with other matters in your school, then do feel free to drop me an email, sarah at earlyexcellence.com or why not get connected with me on LinkedIn or Twitter? Anyway, take care and join me next time for some more genuine head-to-head conversation.